In the name of Jesus, amen. The Bad News Bears. I rewatched that movie, the original 1976 version with Walter Matthau this past week. Probably 40 years since uh, I first saw it. I almost asked my son to watch me with it, uh, with me, but I'm glad I didn't, as there is some language in it, uh, pretty grating. Uh, these kids spewing words that should never have been said, but uh, unfortunately, uh, in 1976, were, were deemed just PG. So that's a little warning if you decide to watch it. Uh, but the movie's still good, at least good enough for me to remember it four decades on. <laughs> Matthau's character, Morris Buttermaker, he's an alcoholic former minor league baseball player who more or less gets bribed into coaching a youth baseball team made up of rejects from all the other teams. Uh, The the super competitive league they're in had tried to, to keep them out, but a lawsuit forced the addition of the Bears, who predictably are horrible. The nearsighted pitcher can hardly see. Uh, The obese catcher, Engelberg, who can't catch, eats candy bars behind the plate. Two Mexican immigrants on the team can't speak English, and little Timmy Lupus, bullied every day at school, is terrified both of his own shadow and of fly balls. And that's just the top of the lineup. Well, the other teams get sponsored by Denny's and Pizza Hut. Uh, Super cool in the 70s. The Bears have Chico's Bail Bonds scrawled across the back of their yellow, the worst color, uniforms. First game of the season, while Buttermaker gets blitzed on Schlitz in the dugout, the first place Yankees score 26 runs without the Bears recording an out. Everyone in the league, even the team's own members, know the bad news bears, yellow uniforms and all, really should not be on the ball field at all. I wonder if Jesus' apostles wore yellow too. (laughs) It's them, those 12. The lineup Matthew records for us in our gospel for today that had me thinking about Buttermaker's bevy of would-be ball players, and inspired me to review the movie because they, they are kind of a bad news bears lot. Just to back up a bit, Jesus, he'd been going through Galilee, preaching, healing, exercising. He sees this great crowd and his heart breaks at the sight of them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and harried, picked on, beaten up and worn down. So much work to do, says Jesus, so much comfort and healing to bring. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, he says to those with him. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field which presumably the disciples do right then and there. That's how I see it anyway. Jesus says pray, they pray. Now, now it's not always that God answers our prayers, lickety-split, but it seems he does here. Uh, Now the ones praying in this case may have wished that God had not been so lickety-split with his answer, but he was. You can just imagine the scene. 
All those shepherdless um, sheep, troubled folks, they're angry, um, sick, angry with each other, probably fighting. What a mess, says Jesus. All the disciples kind of nod along. You're telling us, man, those are some really crazy folks. We're going to need some some top-notch people. Quality, committed folks, good people skills, trained in conflict management, fluent orators. Dear Lord, you know the sort of people, you know the sort of people to send. Please find them and send them. They say, Amen. Jesus looks up and says, Answered prayer. He found them. You. <laughs> A little too lickety split. Careful what you pray for. And then the lineup Peter. A foot in his mouth when not sounding like Satan or denying he even knows Jesus. Matthew, not exactly quality people. A tax collector committed to making a fine living, shaking down his own countrymen for the Roman occupiers. The very Roman occupiers, mind you, whom the generally annoyed Simon the Zealot had dedicated his life to violently overthrowing. (laughs) Matthew and Simon must have had some interesting conversations. And there's Thomas, not really sure what he believes, or at least has a hard time believing what he should. James and John, the the testy sons of thunder, ready to call down fire from heaven and scorch the very sheep Jesus' heart broke over. And of course, Judas, to round it out, nothing beyond his name need even be mentioned. And the rest. Now, we don't know much about them, but, but most of them anyway other than that they argued a lot about who was Jesus' bestie. And that Jesus' favorite nickname for them, one he'd used before and after sending them out, was little faiths, tiny trusts. (laughs) What a lot. In other words, minus the drunk coach, it's the bad news bearers of disciples. And I think it's intentional, that list, even the listing. I think Matthew and the Holy Spirit put it there, at least part of the reason. Put it there, the first one Jesus sends out, put it there by name. To make sure we do what I just did. So that we think about them and call to mind what we know about them and the rest of their stories. And then ask ourselves, why these? Why these so very impressive bad news bears? Why not Jesus fill his lineup with nicer people or people who are better at getting along or at least a little less fragile or quick-tempered or at least not so stuck on themselves? Why this lineup? Well, best reason first. So you can have no doubt there's room on the team for you. If Jesus had picked the first place Yankees lineup, you don't even show up for tryouts. Because you like Snickers better than baseball and you can hardly catch. But the bad news bears, you can play with them. If Jesus had chosen the best and the brightest, I say forget it, but quick-tempered, full of doubts, more talk than action, my kind of team. We heard in that passage from Romans, beautiful passage, Paul going on about how Jesus... When we were weak and ungodly, at our worst, Jesus gives his all for us. St. Paul there, he is positively rhapsodic about how God shows his love while we're sinners and enemies. While striking out and running the wrong way, tripping over the bases, he dies for you. 
And Paul is so excited because it means there's room. Paul himself is so excited. Because it means there is room for a hot-tempered, poor-speaking, chief-sinning, former terrorist, bad-news bear like himself, just like you and me. Showing up weak, ungodly sinners most days twice before breakfast. Which isn't to celebrate that. You don't say, woohoo, we're horrible. No, no one celebrates a muffing, a, a fly ball, better to hit a homer than whiff, prove faithful than faithless. No, what a bunch of bad news bears disciples celebrate is that when it comes to being in the lineup, comes to you being in the lineup, your fastball doesn't matter a whit. Paul declares you justified. That is, you're approved. You're freed from having to pretend you're something you are not and prove yourself an all-star. Which, let's face it, is what all of us spend way too much time and energy doing. Trying to look and sound enough like a pro to make some team. And while the teams we're trying to make might be slightly different, we're all exhausted trying to make it to them. Paul says in Jesus, says, Coach Jesus has picked you, has died for you, given you a uniform lined with forgiveness for all the stupid stuff you do trying to prove you're a big deal. Jesus reserves a place for you in the Hall of Fame. All while you're a Snickers-eating hack who can't catch, Jesus says, Child, you're on my team. Go get him." Which is really what I think is going on with that list of disciples. Peter, James, John, Thomas, Judas, Matthew, the rest. We know their stories. We know they're not an impressive lot. They don't really belong at all. You know, Jesus had all these disciples following him. And when it came to picking the twelve, he'd send out. I kind of think he picked these specifically. He picks Peter and people around say, you know, he is kind of ADD. He picks Simon, you know, he's got anger issues. Don't you know that, Jesus? And Jesus says specifically, yes, that's exactly what I know. And I know, and you know. And I picked them because we don't want pretenders. He says, with me, there's no pretending, because when I pick you, while we are weak, sinners, ungodly, enemies, pretending starts to look kind of ridiculous. You're on the team, folks. Now, I said that was the best reason Jesus picks bad news bears, apostles. Best from our perspective. Because it says there's room on the team for you too. But it also says there's room for everyone else. Everyone else. That's another reason for this lineup. The sheep without a shepherd, that Jesus' heart broke to see harassed and harried, picked on, beaten up, and worn uh, and worn down. You know, you know who they don't need showing up on their doorsteps? They don't need the Yankees. Because <laughs> you know what happens when and Jesus sends a bunch of perfectly put together all-star Derek Jeters to a bunch of Engelbergs and Timmy Lupuses and says, hey, how about being on our team? They run scared the other way. They'll run away terrified if they'll make a fools of themselves. 
A little while ago, we had a softball team with the church. We called the Filthy Rags, and we were trying to recruit someone new to the team. We didn't send the person who looks like an athlete. (laughs) We sent the person that everyone would look at them and say, really, you play softball? (laughs) And the point was, he said, oh, man, if they can play, I can play too. You see, to get Engelbergs and Lupuses, whom do you send? You send Engelberg and Lupus. To message, you send messes. To harassed and harried who need the good news, Jesus, you send the bad news bears. What's that? They say, you're a mess. Perfect, me too. I'm also scared of fly balls, what tomorrow might bring, in my closet full of messy skeletons. So let me tell you about this Jesus who loves messes. You see how it works. Jesus knows the best harvesters are the most obvious messes. The most honest about their chaos and confusion. It's hard to be to the best harvesters. Like Paul, the most astounded. They are on the team in the first place. Folks who have really blown it and keep blowing it. Folks upon whom Jesus keeps blowing his spirit of forgiveness. Folks like that. Which is, of course, folks like you. Make the best everyday missionaries. Last thing, if you've, seen the, if you've seen the Bad News Bears and remember it, um, you probably know a Buttermaker eventually adds a couple of ringers to the team. <laughs> they got their own stories, but they're, they're good players. Uh, they turn things around, and the team, they make it to the championship game and lose, which is not what you expect. <laughs> Not the kind of finale you expect with this movie. It's supposed to all come together and they, you know, win it in, in extra innings or something. No, they lose. They lose by one run, mostly because Coach Buttermaker makes sure everyone gets a chance to play, even Tommy Lucis, Tommy Lupus, who really stinks at baseball. So they lose. And then what happens? Well, they celebrate. Buttermaker passes out beers to the whole team which I guess was kosher in 1976, too. And they celebrate. They actually celebrate more than the team that won, I think, because the bad news bears have figured out just being on the team is the thing that matters. And there's something in there for us, too. In Matthew, Jesus sends out those apostles to face some some tough competition. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what battles you're fighting now, what competition you'll face. If past performance is any indication, whatever it is, there's a pretty fair chance you'll blow it. You might lose the game. But crack open a cold one anyway. You're on the team. By grace and grace alone, now and forever, you're on the team. Go get them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.